Take a copy of your Bible this morning and open it up to Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah chapter 4. I heard about this fictional story where one day Satan was having a yard sale. And he had all of his tools out on this table. And all of them were quite pricey and expensive. There was pride. There was anger. There was arrogance, hatred, jealousy. But off to the side, there was one tool that had a big sign that said, Not for Sale. And this tool was worn out, it was old, it was well used. Well, somebody came up to Satan and he says, you know, what's up with this tool over here? What's it used for and why is it not for sale? And Satan said, oh, that's my main tool. I could never sell that tool. That tool is called discouragement. And I use it to pry people's hearts open. And when I get in, I can do pretty much anything. How true. Most often, Satan uses discouragement to keep us from experiencing all that God has for us. To hinder us from moving forward. From pressing on. From continuing. In fact, someone once said that you don't determine a man's greatness by his wealth or talent. You determine a man's greatness by what it takes to discourage him. What does it take to discourage you? What does it take to bring you to that breaking point in your life? Where you throw your hands up and you said, that's it. I quit. I give up. Let me share with you how Webster defines the word discouragement. Discouragement is the state of being deprived of confidence, hope, spirit, or courage. You see, when we're discouraged, we have lost the motivation To move forward. When we're discouraged, we don't want to continue. You see, when the mountains seem too steep to climb, and the valleys look too dark, and the battle seems too fierce to fight. We would rather give up than fight, than press on. We would rather throw our arms up and say, that's it. Now, at times, we all face discouragement. In fact, somebody has said that discouragement is like the common cold of emotions. (laughs) And it's true. Most often, discouragement comes when you do all the right things. I mean, you give it your all, you work hard, and then you experience very little 
or poor results in return. For example, (laughs) you watch what you eat. You eat healthy. You diet. You exercise. You're meticulous and religious when it comes to uh, trying to lose weight. And you work hard and you've built sweat equity into this and you step on the scale. And instead of the numbers going down, it goes up. You get discouraged. Or you practice. You give it 110% in practice and you work and you work and you work. And then come game day, you still lose. Or a parent who parents their child and pours their life into their child and does the best they can in parenting their child, raising their child the right way, and then your child rebels. And you feel discouraged. In fact, some of the greatest people in the Bible faced times of discouragement. Job. Job felt discouraged when his wife and his friends couldn't understand. They couldn't, they couldn't relate as to what Job was going through. Oh, they tried to be helpful. But basically, they were just blaming Job. They weren't that helpful. But Job was discouraged because his friends couldn't understand what he was going through. Not just Job, Elijah. Elijah became discouraged in ministry. If you remember on Mount Carmel, when when God poured out uh, miracle after miracle, Elijah was thinking, man, the people are going to respond. There's going to be great revival. Man, people are just going to be turning to the Lord as a result of this. And it didn't happen as Elijah had planned. And so we find Elijah fleeing for his life, and he's discouraged. In fact, he's so discouraged and depressed that he just wants God to take him out of the game. I give up, God. Moses got discouraged. Jeremiah at one time felt discouraged. In fact, he lost hope. He thought God was against him. David many times felt discouraged. Listen to what David said. He says, I am losing all hope. I am paralyzed with fear. Maybe that's you this morning. You're at a place in your life. You're at a situation in your life. You're at a point in your life where you're just like this. I'm losing all hope. All hope. I'm paralyzed with fear. I remember the days of old. I ponder all your great works and I think about what you have done. I lift my hands to you in prayer, God. God, I'm at the end of my my rope here. I'm at my breaking point. I'm overwhelmed. God, I'm praying to you. I thirst for you as a parched land thirsts for rain. David was not only discouraged, he was desperate for God to intervene. The disciples, after the death of Jesus, were discouraged. You see, we've been talking about these giants. The first giant that we looked at was the giant called fear. And that giant wants to paralyze you. 
Then we looked at the giant called worry. That giant wants to choke your faith. This morning I want us to look at the giant called discouragement because he wants you to give up. He wants you to throw in the towel. He wants you to throw up your arms, throw up your hands and say, that's it, I quit. That's what he wants you to do. That's his chief aim. That's his goal. Today I want us to look at four common causes of discouragement and how we can overcome discouragement. Nehemiah chapter 4, we see a great story with great spiritual truth on the causes of discouragement and how to overcome discouragement in our own life. Look at verse 6. This is a, an entry from Nehemiah's journal. He says, At last the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city, for the people had worked with enthusiasm. But when Sambalot and Tobiah and the Arabs, Ammonites, and Ashdodites heard that the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious. They all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. But we prayed. We prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. Then the people of Judah began to complain. The workers are getting tired. And there is so much rubble to be moved. We will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. Meanwhile, our enemies were saying, before, you, before they know what's happening, we will swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. The Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again they will come from all directions and attack us. Do you know when typically discouragement will come? It's always at the halfway point. It's never at the beginning. And it's not at the end. It's always midpoint. That's when we get discouraged. Look at verse 6. Verse 6 tells us that at last the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city. For the people worked with enthusiasm. Man, they were full steam ahead, uh, great guns, they were working, everything was working. They get halfway through the project and then discouragement sets in. How true that is for us. It's always at the midpoint. It's always halfway when we get discouraged. It's never at the beginning. You know, think about that. If you ever started a project at home, maybe it was a paint project at home or a renovation project at home, and, uh, you know, you, you start, you got, you know, got all this energy, enthusiasm, and you're working, and you're working, and you're working. You get about halfway through, and then you kind of take a step back, and you're like, man, we've only gotten halfway through the project. We still have a long ways to go. We still have another half the room to do. We still have half the project to do. Man, we're tired. We, all that enthusiasm was used up at the beginning, and now we're at this breaking point, this midpoint, where, where we, we're, just, we're just overwhelmed, you see, at the beginning, we were excited. At the, at the beginning, we're enthusiastic. At the end, when, when we get closer to the end, we're hopeful. We see there's light at the end of the tun tunnel. We can go ahead and we can give it you know, a little bit more. 
A little bit more, a little bit more. But in that midpoint, when we've lost sight of the beginning and we can't see the end, that's when we get discouraged. Halfway through a job. Four common causes of discouragement. When we get discouraged, it's when we're exhausted. We get discouraged when we're exhausted, when we're tired, when we're worn out, when we're spent physically. You want to give up. Look at verse 10. Then the people of Judah began to complain. Here it is. The workers are getting tired. They're physically exhausted. Mind you, they're only halfway through the project. They're not done yet. They say it took about 51 days to build the wall. They're only halfway through, so they've only been working on it for about a little over a month, day in and day out, and they're just, they're exhausted. They've been given it all that they have and all that they've got to work on this wall. They are tired. I would propose to us this morning that when we get exhausted, that's an opportunity for us to become discouraged. When we are overworked physically, that's an opportunity for us to be overwhelmed emotionally, to be discouraged, to want to give up. How many of you have ever heard of the football coach, Vince Lombardi? Great football coach. I like what, what he has to say. He says, fatigue makes coward of us all. And that's true. When we're tired, we don't have the strength to face giants. We don't have the, fa- the, the strength to face obstacles. We don't have the strength to climb mountains. We don't have, when we're tired, we're, just, we're overwhelmed. We're overworked. You know what we need? We don't need to work harder. We need to learn to rest. Try not to burn the candle at both ends. I think one of the greatest spiritual things that we can do is take a good nap. Get some rest. Because if you want to do your best, It will require rest. We have to learn to rest. If not, if we're going to keep on, you know, those who are workaholics, this kind of, man, this is kind of convicting. Because there's something innate within us, we have to keep working, work harder, work harder, work harder, work harder. I can't stop, I can't slow down, I can't do this, because if I do this, if I slow down, it is going to cause a domino effect, and all these other things over here are just going to fall apart. And so there is within us, we have to learn, you know what, if you continue to go and go and go at the rate that you're going, you're going to fall apart, let alone the projects that you're working on. And when you fall apart, guess what? All the other things that you've been working on will fall apart as well. And so it's important that you rest. 
Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 18. Moses says, never forget how the Amalekites attacked you when you were exhausted. That's when, that's when God's people were attacked. They, they were attacked when they were tired, not when they were well-rested, not when they were ready, not when they were strengthened and encouraged. No, but when they were exhausted, when they were weary, and they struck down those who lagged behind. How true. So we become discouraged when we are exhausted. Number two, we get discouraged when we're frustrated. Not just when we're tired, but also when we're frustrated. Look again at verse 10. The workers are getting tired, and there is so much rubble to be moved. Now, here's why they're frustrated. They've been working so hard for so long And as they take a look at the progress that they're making, their focus is not on the progress, their focus is on the rubble, the garbage, the trash. Instead of seeing how far they've come, their eyes, their attention was focused on the stuff that's still there, the trash, the in. Sufficient things, the insignificant things. And so emotionally, they were worn out. They were over, overworked physically, but emotionally, they're worn out. I believe, likewise, whenever we're you know, emotionally worn out, we're going to want to throw in the towel. Mentally, we're tired. How many of you know this? You know, there's, there's a difference between being physically tired and mentally tired. You know, when I study and I do a lot of reading and I'm doing a lot of processing and I'm thinking, that's a lot of work mentally. I get, I'm, I'm tired. I'm spent. If I've done a lot of reading and writing, and I'm, just, I, I'm spent mentally. Likewise, even emotionally, man, if, you, if you're frustrated emotionally, I mean, just there's a lot of stuff going on in your life, a lot of garbage that's going on in your life. It has a way of causing us to be emotionally worn out. And once that takes place, discouragement begins to settle in. Emotionally, we just want to throw our hands up and say, that's it, I, I, just, can't, I just can't take it anymore. I just can't do it anymore. Maybe you're here this morning and you're in a situation that's just like that. You're frustrated. Maybe it's a relational situation. Maybe it's a job situation. Maybe it's a home situation. Maybe it's an educational situation. Just something. And the garbage has you weighed down. Emotionally, you're getting discouraged. See, you've lost sight of the goal. Thirdly, I get discouraged. You get discouraged. We get discouraged. When we feel inadequate. 
when we start to doubt our own abilities. Look at verse 10 again. The workers are getting tired. They're overworked. They're, they're worn out. And there's so much rubble to be moved. They're frustrated. Look at this next phrase. We will never. We will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. You see, they were starting to doubt their own ability. They were, they were starting to think, you know what, I'm inadequate. There's no way I can finish this. There's no way I can do this. There's no way I can keep on keeping on. I feel inadequate. Whenever we get to that place where we feel that we're inadequate, discouragement likes to sneak itself in there. That's the tool that Satan used to say, yeah, you're right. You know what? Not only are you inadequate, you're a failure. You're a waste. I don't even know why God would even trust anything with you. You just let God down. And we start to allow that guilt and that shame to burden us and discouragement sets in and we start to listen to the wrong voices instead of listening to the voice of God. We start to think about the wrong things instead of thinking upon the word of God. And as a result, we throw our hands up and say, you're right. I am inadequate. I'm a failure. In fact, next week, we're going to talk about the giant called failure. Because once discouragement sets in, failure loves to come right behind him for that next kick, for that next punch. And so we need to understand how, how you know, failure is a part of life. Who here hasn't failed? Who here hasn't made a mistake? We all have. Failure is a part of life. What's more important is not that we have failed. What's more important is how do we respond to those times of failure. And so we're going to be talking about that giant. But we get discouraged when we feel inadequate. Fourthly, we get discouraged when the opposition grows stronger. When there's so much opposition against us, when we're tired physically, when we're emotionally worn out, when we feel inadequate, and now on top of that, we have this, this, this opposition against us. It's just keeping us down, keeping us back, holding us back, fighting not for us and with us, but against us. Look at verse 11. Nehemiah says, Meanwhile, our enemies were saying, Before they know what's happening, we will swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. Well, that's not too encouraging, is it? That's pretty discouraging. Put yourself in the workers' shoes. Suppose you were there, you've been tired, you've been working on this wall day in and day out. There's so much rubble, there's so much garbage, so much trash, it still has to be dealt with. You're inadequate, you feel, I just, I, just, I can't do it anymore. And then on top of that, you have these 
people saying, you know, before they know what's happened, we're just going to kill them. We're just going to attack them. It's pointless as to why they're building this wall. This wall was supposed to secure them. This wall was supposed to fortify them, but it doesn't even matter. Even if they build it, if that wall's not going to last, that wall will fall down. It will crumble. Even if a fox runs across it, that wall will be ruined. We're going to attack them. We're going to kill them. That's kind of a demotivation right there. That's discouraging. Well, you know what? We kind of expect that from our enemies. That, to me, doesn't surprise me. And it doesn't alarm me. This next verse does, though. Verse 12. Nehemiah says, The Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again they will come from all directions and attack us. Now, what alarms me about this verse is that these were the Jews. These were God's people. These were the same people in the same camp that were coming to the workers, to those who were tired and, and, and emotionally spent. And, and they're not helping. They're not saying, hey, let me help you. Let me clear this way for you. Let me do this for you. Let me do that. No, they come right alongside and they're not encouraging one bit. They're discouraging. And they say, guess what? They're still going to attack us over and over again. They kept coming with this discouraging message, not a message of encouragement. Let me say this. Our words are so powerful. With it, with our words, with the words that we speak, we can either bring life or bring death. With our mouth, with our words, we can either speak blessing or curse. With our words. And that's why I believe it's so important for us as God's people. Not to be like this group. (laughs) This group that lived near the enemy. Notice their position. They were closer to the enemy than they were to the center of the camp here. But they lived near the enemy. And they came and they told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. That's sad. The opposition was growing stronger and stronger and stronger. And that may be you this morning. Maybe you have some friends like this. Just, you know, just some really discouraging people. That's why I always say, you know, be careful who you hang around. If you want to be discouraged, hang around discouraging people. If you want to be encouraged, hang around encouraging people. That's why, you know, man, there's so much negativity that we see streaming online, on the TV, on talk radio. Oh, it doesn't matter where you turn, in the workplace, in the school place. And, you know, over and over, we see so much discouragement, negativity. And it's easy. It's easy to feel beat down. It's easy to feel 
Like, what's the use? Let me just give up. So that's the causes, some of the causes of discouragement. Let's talk about what to do. How do we overcome encouragement? Notice the four things that Nehemiah did. Number one, reorganize whatever's not working. This is so important. Reorganize whatever is not working. Look at verse 13. Nehemiah says, So I placed armed guards behind the lower, lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. I stationed the people to stand guard by families armed with swords, swords, spears, and bows. Whenever discouragement set in, Nehemiah says, you know what I did? Instead of, instead of throwing up our hands and saying, that's it, we quit, there's no way, this is pointless, this is useless, this is a waste of our time. He says, no, 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 I reorganized the people. I restructured what we were doing. I re-strategized what we were doing because what we were doing wasn't working. And that's so true because so often, you know, I think it's arrogance. You know, we do something, we do something, we do something, and we see it's not working. Instead of us saying, you know what, let me humble ourselves, let me change, let me alter something, let me, let me realize that what I'm doing, let me come to reality here that what I'm doing is not working, what we'd rather do is stick our heels in and say, no, I'm going to make it work. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going at it and keep doing at it, and it doesn't work. We keep doing the same things the same ways, and we expect different results. That's insane. Nehemiah says, here's what we did to overcome discouragement and to keep from going insane and to keep from giving up. I reorganized the people. I re-strategized what we're doing here. I can, I can somewhat personally relate to this. Maybe you can too. Beginning of the year, I set out on a goal. My goal was to lose weight this year. And, you know, exercise, eating healthy, logging all my food, counting calories, counting carbs, doing all the, the, the right things. Exercise, doing it all, doing it all. And at the beginning, I saw, I saw results and you know, excited and started to get into thinner, you know, loose. You know, my clothes were starting to feel loose and I had to buy uh, slimmer clothes. And I think, great, great, great. Well, here we are, started about July, June, July. I started to get at a plateau where I was still working hard and still doing everything. And then I, I, I got on the scale and, and lo and behold, the, the, the numbers weren't going down. They were starting to go back up. Like, how is that possible? I mean, I'm working out. I mean, I even went from just doing cardio to doing weight training, and now I, I should start seeing results. And so I would work out hard and then go home and, and eat a bunch of donuts and Debbie cakes and chips and all that. And I'm like, what's going on here? I don't, I don't understand what's, what's... I should be losing weight. I'm exercising. And I realized that I have to change my strategy. I'm at a place where it's just routine for me and what I'm doing is not achieving the results that I would like so I have to change my strategy 
That's that example. We can take that example and we can apply it to so many other things. We can apply it to your work. We can apply it to the church. We can apply it to life, everything, you know, anything. You know, when we're doing something and we're doing it right and doing it right and doing it right and we're not getting the, the results that we expect, we have to take a step back and say, okay, what do I need to do differently? What changes do I need to make so that I start to see the right results? And what that requires from us is to seek God's will, is for us to come before the Lord and say, okay, God, God, here, here it is, Lord, Lord, show me. Show me where I need to change. And say, so we don't like that. We'd rather have the situation change. We'd rather have this over here change. I would love to have my weight change. You know, I've been praying, God, God, I, Lord, you can do all things. Lord, I'm going to continue eating whatever I want. I just want to step on the scale and see the numbers go down. Okay, God? You, so I'm challenging you. You can do all things. And God says, no, that's not the way it works. There has to be a change. And so when we come before the Lord and we say, God, God, show me where I need to change. Show me, show me where I need to, to re-strategize. Show me, show me where I need to reorganize. Show me where, where I need to align my goal with, with your word. Instead of taking God's word and trying to align it with our goals and, 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 and what we're doing over here. No, no, it's about changing. It's about aligning. And so Nehemiah reorganized Whatever's not working. Number two, we need to refocus on God. We need to refocus on God. You see, discouragement sets in because we're looking at the wrong thing. You see, they were listening to the wrong voices. They were looking at the wrong things. And as a result of that, they were getting discouraged. They were listening to the voices of their enemies more so than listening to the voice of God, their eyes were focused on the trash instead of focusing on what God had called them to do, instead of focusing on God and who He is. And so likewise, if we're to overcome discouragement in our life, we have to refocus ourselves on God, refocus our eyes on who He is. Look at verse 14. Nehemiah says, then, as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people, and I said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious. What he was saying is, look, don't be afraid of the enemy. You're, 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 if, if you're listening to them, you're listening to the wrong voices. You do not need to be afraid of them. But Nehemiah says, look, what I want you to do is I want you to remember the Lord. I want you to refocus on the Lord. I want you to recall how the Lord has been so great and glorious to us. He hasn't let us down. He hasn't abandoned us. Let me give you some verses. You want to write these verses down. Psalms 138, verse 3. David says, As soon as I pray, you answer me. You encourage me by giving me strength. What a wonderful promise. 
But David says, listen, when I'm discouraged, God, God I, I pray to you, I call out to you. And, and, and as I pray, you answer me. You encourage me by giving me strength. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Isaiah says, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And so it's imperative. If we're going to overcome this giant called discourage, we have, we have to focus on who God is. We have to trust Him. I love what Paul says. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says, We now have this light shining in our hearts, the light of Christ. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars. We're, 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 we're weak vessels. We're, we're cracked jars, Paul would say. Containing this great treasure. Containing Christ within us. That He is the great treasure that we have. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. There's no reason for us to feel inadequate. The power that we have is from God. Paul says we are pressed on every side by troubles. Troubles are pressing us. They're squeezing us. On every side, on the right, on the left, in the front, in the rear. All around us, troubles are pressing in on us. He says, but guess what? We're not crushed. Troubles are pressing in, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. But I love what Paul says next. He says, we get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. We get knocked down, but we get up again. We're not destroyed. You see, the reason why Paul can say that was because his focus was on God and what God can do. And God's power that is within us as his people. Thirdly, Resist the discouragement. And so we need to reorganize. We need to refocus on God. And we need to resist the discouragement. You see, too often we want to blame. We want to blame others. We want to blame our situations or our, our uh, circumstances as to why we're discouraged. Well, I'm discouraged because of this. But, but honestly, if, if you really want to get to it, discouragement is a choice that you make. Discouragement is a negative response to a disappointment. You choose to be discouraged. That is a Nobody causes you to be discouraged. Nothing can cause you to be discouraged. You choose to respond with this emotion called discouragement. Listen to what Nehemiah told them. He says, fight. Don't give up. Here's the choice. You can give up. You can quit. You can 
throw in the towel, you can pack your bags, you can say, that's it, I'm out of here. But Nehemiah says, no, here's what I want you to do. I want you to fight. I want you to fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. I don't want you to give up. I want you to resist discouragement. I want you to face it and fight it. I love what James says. James chapter 4, verse 7, he says, So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You see, I believe the reason why the devil wants to use that tool called discouragement in our hearts is because we let him. Instead of submitting ourselves to God, humbling ourselves before the Lord, resisting the devil and saying, no, 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 no. I'm not going to give in to that. It's a choice that we make. Remember, we've been talking about how powerful our thoughts are, how powerful our mind is, that we must protect the thoughts that come in. We must protect the things that we're meditating on and thinking about. Likewise, once we start thinking about that, once we start meditating on, 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 on the negative, that's an opportunity for Satan to come and use that tool called discouragement to pry open our heart Instead, resist him. Because what happens is when you resist him, he'll flee from you. And so resist the discouragement. Lastly, don't give up. Never, ever give up. If God's called you to do something, don't give up. You see, I am convinced the whole reason why the enemy was attacking them was because God had called them to rebuild the wall. This was a mission that God had called them to. This was something that God had, 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 had said, this is what I want you to do. And as they were being faithful to fulfilling God's mission, God's purpose, the enemy attacked them. The enemy didn't care anything about the wall. All the enemy wanted was for God's people to give up. You don't need to work on that wall. You don't need to do that. It's pointless. Verse 15. Nehemiah says, When our enemies heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. That is so important that we... Don't miss that, all right? Let me read it one more time. When our enemies heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, here it is, we all returned to our work on the wall. Do you see this? I mean, it wasn't... Nehemiah wasn't saying, okay, after, after the enemy heard that, that we, we, we were aware of their plans, we were aware of their schemes, God frustrated them, uh, and so guess what? I, 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 went, I went back to work. I went back to work on the wall. I went back to work. I, 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 I'm back over here. I'm back. No, no, no. He says, guess what? We, together, together, we all went back to work. Together, we kept on keeping on. Together, we encouraged each other. 
That's important because I, I, I firmly believe, you know, back, back a few verses when, when they were halfway there and, and they were looking on, at the garbage, the trash, and the rubble. I, I know how it is around the water cooler. You know, when you sit there, you know, it, for those of you who, who, who work, you probably can relate. You know, you're just kind of discouraged about your job. And, man, I just hate my job. And, and you know, I, only, I work because I got bills to pay. Uh, but you know what? The boss, he's, he's just mean or she's mean. And, you know, the, the workload is too heavy. And, uh, you know, we, we, we're good, you know, uh, within work, workers complaining to other workers about the job about the workload, about you know the situation, the 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 circumstances there, and I'm sure just just within that it, it could be very discouraging. But but Nehemiah is saying, listen, we're going to work at this together. We're going to encourage each other. We're going to keep on keeping on. We're not going to give up. We're going to fight the fight. We're going to press on. Paul would say, and we're not going to give up. We're not going to give up. Don't ever give up. I don't know what you're personally going through right now, but you may find yourself in a season where you're discouraged. You've been working hard at something, and you take a look, and the results are disappointing. Just not what you had planned. You thought things would be easier maybe, or maybe you just thought something would be more productive, or you'd be farther along than where you are now. And it's easy to become discouraged. Let me encourage you this morning. Come to the Lord. Bring your discouragement to him and exchange that for his encouragement. See, you don't have to leave this place discouraged this morning. But if you do, that's your choice. Let me encourage you to trade that in for his encouragement. Maybe your heart is just overwhelmed. I love what Jesus says. He says, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, who are tired. Come to me and I'll give you rest. Would you come to Jesus this morning? Every head bowed and every eye closed.